Hi and welcome to The Three Good Podcast, a weekend podcast where I talk about all things to do with positive psychology, well-being, resilience, mental health and emotional intelligence. I'm your host, Sukhpavia. Hi everyone, happy Sunday to you. This is episode 32 of The Three Good Podcast. Well, I hope you're having a good weekend, folks, whatever it is that you are up to. I have had a very easy weekend this weekend. Uh, now that my dad has been moved into a rehab ward, it means that the hours for visiting are much more restricted and uh, kind of means that we can um, start to reorganize time so that we, I say we meaning my mother and I, are able to get on and do some other things. That's been quite uh, a helpful thing in, and it means that we just have to, for the time being, readjust our thinking and what our expectations are for how we just uh, handle the coming weeks while Dad goes through his uh, rehab routine and uh, continues to aid his recovery. It's been quite a nice weekend in good old England uh, the last couple of days. There's been a bit of rain here and there, so autumn well and truly here, letting us know that, I mean, over the last week it's been like that as well, and I I don't like autumn, folks, I don't. I'm a spring and summer guy all the way. Give me sunshine, give me heat, give me long days. Those are the things which make Sook a happy man. These days of autumn and winter where the days get shorter and the nights draw in a bit quicker and things just get a bit cooler, just not my thing, you know. I, 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 of course, you get through it because you have to, and you learn how to do that stuff. <clears throat> um, but there we go. It is what it is, folks. It's the weather. There's bloody changing seasons that we have to put up with. Oh, to be living on the equator and be constant humidity and have twelve hours of exact sunshine and twelve hours of exact nighttime every day. I wouldn't even know what what that would be like um how to <laughs> how, how do you do that where it's the same weather all the time it's quite a an interesting thing all this preoccupation with weather that we have as people so today's episode i want to talk about how do we help ourselves build and create more empathy and I think it's a, an interesting question because there's, um, I think, so many different things at play when it comes to having empathy with others that it can be a very challenging thing to grow and cultivate and have with other people. So I want to kind of get into it. I want to explore it a bit more to try and help provide some extra thinking on why on why empathy isn't easy for some people you know some people genuinely find it quite a hard thing to do and i think there's, there's several things normally at play when it comes to uh, you know helping uh, helping to find a connection with others in a way which helps to grow us as people so what do I mean when we talk about empathy? Uh, empathy is 
<coughs> one of those concepts which helps us to know that how does it feel for someone else when they explain a situation to us and how do we what does it take in order to trust and believe in them that their account of what they're telling us is a true and faithful account and that we can believe them and that we can have uh, faith in them that what they are describing to us is the truth and you know one of the things that 2016 showed us across the world is that we are quite willing as a people to forego truth in respect of what we believe the other person is telling us irrespective of whether or not they are being truthful to us or not and certainly politics in the current day is showing us this in absolute abundance but if we think about if we take a step back for a moment and just think about well how have we also lost uh, what are some of the other things at play which have shown to us that we are willing to believe opinions over facts and truth we can just look to see there are many other things at play where th these kind of things readily happen so things like newspaper media and tabloids in particular have a have been doing this for years yeah, it's essentially how they peddle their um, newspapers is they create stories where they have a particular bias and they have a particular prejudice for the thing they're pushing forward it will the journalism will often be reporting some element of fact but a narrative that's drawn around it will be to drive a certain perspective and that's why the likes of uh, the sun newspaper in the uk is known for being fast and loose with the truth and with facts because the narrative they often pull out is is one to just you know sell newspapers it's, it's rare it has some um, genuine journalistic credibility behind it for sure they do have stories that are like that it just can be hard to see it through all of the normal bump that they throw out there equally it's why the likes of people um, it's why people have stark opinions about the likes of the newspapers like the Daily Mail in the UK because they also play fast and loose with facts and truth and the result of that is we buy the newspapers or there is a large population in the UK that buys their newspapers and so what that tells us is that although people understand there is a, a concept of truth they are more willing to suspend what that truth might be because there is a perspective and an opinion being put forward which is more interesting to them and uh, and when they hear that it it resonates with some kind of personal thinking they've got going on and so they they're willing to for that truth to be bent in the with the narrative that supports what line of thinking they have and that's just one example another example is where you have the quite surprising cases of where um, the, the anti-vax movement across the world is causing quite stark alarm for a lot of medical professionals and for society at large because there are a growing number of people who don't believe the 
scientific and medical facts that sit around the MMR vaccines in particular and the way that they um, stop serious illnesses from happening amongst children. And I, I personally, I've tr really tried to understand what is that, how is that, how does that come about? Why are there so many people who, who buy into what they think are the facts? And what I've realized is that what happens is you have somebody who is using science to combat science. And that's the perceived uh, opinion. What actually ends up happening is that you have people who are using what they think is a scientific argument to uh, to, to argue against the um, stronger evidence base that is present. So, for example, there is very strong evidence base behind MMR vaccines reducing the risk of those diseases and how they are beneficial to society at large. The anti-vax um, campaigners tend to come down the route of identifying very specific ingredients in the vaccines which are uh, which can um, in different ways be either synthesized or be um, extrapolated or be focused on to say that those these very specific things are not meant to be part of um, the way that we naturally grow immunity or the way that we are meant to survive as a human race and there often becomes a, a troubling argument there around you know if if one of their children does elicit the symptoms of one of those uh, dangerous diseases then how do they enable that child to survive how do they help them to get through that without the aid of a vaccine or any kind of medicine that would help and that is another good example of how the truth gets bent the facts get bent in favor of a narrative and the narrative presents itself in a, in, in a way that you know is palatable again right so the anti-vax campaigners put it forward in a way that they they try and say you know this is about the kids just as much as the proponents of MMR vaccines say yes this is about the kids and they both have just a very different bent on it now, when it comes to things like having a strong evidence base and having you know, years and years and years of medical proof that show that one thing actually does save lives and the other one is proven to not, it seems like that kind of evidence has less validity for some people. For most people, they're very willing to kind of hold their hats on, you know, put their hats on to that and say, Yes, absolutely, I'm on board with this. But there is a certain significant population who just don't want to know, don't want to hear it. And I think that presents another way that we can consider this whole post-truth society that we live in. Um, and then, you know, recently I was watching the Ted Bundy tapes on Netflix. And the uh, fascinating thing about one of the fascinating things about the trial that he went through when he was um, finally captured and put to trial for at least some of the known cases that he was being tried for is you had a large group of 
followers and fans who were very willing to put on hold the fact that he had viciously killed these women and they were more interested in his personality and his character because he seemed to put forward elements of intelligence and charisma and um, some level of um, handsomeness and you, you know because of that they they were more fascinated to be in and around him as a kind of cult personality even though he was a violent human being and there was no you, you can look back you know, when when you look back on it and you see these things it's quite surprising to know that there are there were followers who really were, were willing to um, suspend their belief about what he actually did because they enjoyed him as a person and all of these things really grow some level of uh, I mean they're all examples right they're all examples of how do we live in a post-truth society but this isn't something which is a new phenomenon it's been a constant part of how we are for a long long time it's just certain things have become more um, focused in recent times right mostly because of politics and the likes of Trump and Boris Johnson and uh, other characters in the UK politics and uh, in, in on the international stage as well and so it's quite um, you know you, you add up these different things and then you look at a lot of behavior online and particularly with social media and you can see that one of the things that really gets in the way of helping to cultivate and create empathy is social media isn't inherently built to create empathy you know it's social media in, in in very many different ways is designed to create content that you put out there that others will interact with in order to help grow you know what we would today call influencers that's essentially all it comes down to is you know have you got a social media profile which is so good that it, that it other people start to follow you and not just follow you but other people will uh, give you likes and you know favorites or whatever it is or comment and it becomes so um, addictive in that way not addictive uh, well for some it can be addictive but it can become so alluring in that way and so attractive that we we, we willingly spend more time there because you know we want to post things that gain attention we want to feel like personally I am fulfilling something right I am being important in some way because other people are helping to react and they're helping to uh, you know they're reacting to me in in ways which are helpful and supportive to me so therefore I feel like I should do more of this me producing this podcast is a prime example of that yeah at a meta level I'm producing this because I think I have something of value to say I want people to let me know that it does help them with their thinking in some way and I feel it encourages me to want to continue and do more of this so but that's um, not enough of that though and I, I don't think enough of it is genuinely about ha helping people to create empathy with others it's about content it's about 
you know, different things that people put out there in order to just garner interest and in you know where it's taken to its extremes <coughs> is we have we've seen over the last few years is that there's a growing problem in social media of people with quite outrageous and abhorrent views using social media in order to put their views forward because they're unfilled it's an unfiltered set of platforms and all they are doing is sparking a lot of uh, very specific and focused thinking and often it's hidden in these are the truths that no one wants you to know you know these are the these are the things that um, you know the left is trying to hide from you here's the things that the right don't want you to know here's how here's why feminists are so bad for the world here's all the things that you don't know about drinking um, you know um, fizzy drinks that are going to be dangerous for your health here's all the ways that uh, not sleeping is going to be dangerous for you here's all the ways that uh, you know buying and taking drugs is good for big pharma there are so many so many things out there that people want to find a way to create a specific line of thinking about that it, it becomes really easy to just go down those rabbit holes and when you go down those rabbit holes what can be really hard to know is are they uh, are those lines of thinking are they helpful to creating empathy are they helpful to engendering a sense of compassion and kindness towards others or are they trying to or and i think this is where things fall down quite radically and dramatically is that we we end up finding that in in many many of these content created uh, pieces of um, stuff that is out there it's it is very much about pushing a personal agenda a personal narrative sometimes that's going to be aligned to politics sometimes that's going to be aligned to um, you know uh, racist points of view some of it's going to be about misogyny, misandry, um, you know, um, difficult points of view about cultures and uh, religions, and you know, there's going to it is all sorts of stuff, and it can be so polarizing that what we what we forget that when we're consuming this content is that it's is feeding our biases first of all and there's nothing wrong with feeding your biases as long as you're aware of what your biases are and in many cases people aren't people in general people aren't as self-aware as they'd like to believe they are so when they go down rabbit holes and they start to listen to people like Jordan Peterson or um, Paul Joseph Watson or Katie Hopkins you know they are they are more often than not enjoying what that person has to say without consideration of well does this help me to know things better or am i just getting wrapped up in a uh, an emotion and a feeling which i enjoy but i don't know whether or not it's it's the right thing to be getting lost into we don't allow we 
social media doesn't allow for that thinking to take place. It doesn't allow for that level of empathy to be considered around, well, has that thing that I've just learned or heard about helped me to understand others better? In many cases, it doesn't. And where it's where it becomes really, there's a fine, there's a point at which you can identify, you can not identify, but you can see if you, if you pay attention to it, you can see how there is a mask of empathy because people like Katie Hopkins will do things like go out and produce videos of a live situation somewhere in some part of either the UK or a different country and she'll put forward a narrative of what she is seeing, observing and who the people are that she's talking to. It has the veneer of journalism. It has the look of truth because there's a live video being created. And what we, what you realise quite quickly is she is putting forward a point of view. She is trying to create a, an impression of how a certain group is either being excluded or how they're being treated. And what she is very carefully also not doing is... Um, allowing you to see what the fuller picture is. What does that look? What does what she say look like, and how is it understood by the others who are in that same, who are in the um, you know same um, location or same um, situation, but represented by a different group? That doesn't tend to happen. You know, how does how does her commentary help you to understand what is happening in the country by her having object uh, by her having uh, brought on the people who are trying to do something for the betterment of that place, right? Be it the ministers or be it the law, uh, be it the law, be it the judiciary, whoever it is, it might be, and we don't often get that because she knows that that's not going to help her narrative. Her narrative is about creating a very stark position. Not just hers, but others are like that as well, right? This is why I'm saying people like Jordan Peterson and Paul Joseph Watson, they do that quite readily. So what we know then about these types of content that are out there, and these very popular ones, is that they are produced mostly to get people to like and comment and share them widely, right? And like I said, the, the platforms that most of us use, they're not built for empathy creation. They're built for content consumption. And they're very different things. So how do we... And well, rather, I hope to... I hope by having kind of walked through a lot of that... And that's been the better part of about 20 minutes or so to do that. I hope to have put forward that there's the struggles around creating empathy with others are quite numerous. You know, we as people are complex beings. We find it easy to do certain activities, really hard to do different ones. And when we are faced with things like wanting to have connection and have empathy with others, we're being bombarded with so much in daily life that it's really hard to find that time and the energy and the will to be connected with others. So when you know when people say things like, "Oh, we should switch off social media," or "We should, um, you know, just stop listening to those types of people," 
sure, that's one avenue. Those are, that's one set of activities you can take in order to reduce your consumption of that kind of content. But that's not the only set of stuff which is at play. You know, on a day-to-day -day basis, there's lots of things happening. There's obviously things like in the world news that get constantly get reported on. There are things that our friends and our family will talk to us about quite regularly about what's being said out there in the world. There are points of view being shared every day in lots of ways. Not just that, but we all have our own stuff that we're getting on with anyway. Got work to do and get on with. Got friends to go and see and socialize with. Got hospital appointments to keep and to uh, attend to. Got emergencies to make sure that we try and resolve and um, you know don't get into bigger problems. There are so many things uh, regularly at play that it is it, the, the time and energy that we need in order to cultivate empathy with others is reduced, massively reduced. And so we're already working at a certain level of um, heightened stuff. And when you're already at a certain level of that, to have empathy with others takes far more effort then because it means that you have to really start to focus on so, um, first of all, are you taking care of yourself in lots of ways? You know, what is that? When we talk about self-care, it is from that understanding that when we take care of ourselves and we do it in a way which is healthy for us and does not cause us any further harm, anyone else any further harm, um, and I say further harm on the assumption that there are things and activities we do which currently cause us harm. That may not be true of everyone. For some people, they just may not know that they have things that they can do to keep themselves in a regularly healthy place. You know, they may not be doing anything. And in, in that case, it's the absence of self-care, which is uh, the need, right? Um, because there's just so many, so much other stuff going on for them. So when we talk about self-care, it is often about, well, we need to make the right decisions about the things which can help us to feel and be better in ourselves. Because when it comes, I think one of the things that we can often forget when it comes to empathy is you need to, it does, to, it does require energy. It does require time to um, build that with others. But also the compassion that you need also has to come from a very personal place. And unless you're feeling strong and healthy in yourself and you have that personal resilience, it can be quite a real challenge to find that compassion for others. And that's, uh, I, I think that can be something that we overlook. Linked in with that, I think then there are other things such as, yeah, how do we genuinely help people to make better choices about their day-to-day -day routines? And that's stuff which you know governments across the world have been struggling with for years you know, how do we help people to quit smoking how do we help them to know that their alcohol consumption consumption should be extremely limited how do we help people to know that eating fatty food on a regular basis is going to be harmful to their long-term health how do we help people to know that you know regular daily exercise is needed for the body to work at its best all of these things. There are so many um, health problems that we have in society because people just don't want to let go of a lot of these things. You know, 
and that's part of the personal challenge that people have as well as the societal problems that we need to try and fix as well so when we try and think about those things it's it, it becomes even more than challenging to think so how do we add empathy on top of that because if they're not got the self-care routines and they're not I mean, we're struggling to already let people know what are the good regular habits they should be making sure they have again empathy just gets pushed away so we just got to so it's, it's another thing added to the mix of of why and how it feels like empathy can be a really hard thing to hold on to uh, and that we can cultivate with others then I, I guess what it when you know when it comes to how do we um, you know, if we do have that resilience and once if we do have a, a good set of personal routines in place how do we really help to build that level of empathy where we we don't want to just get drawn into all of those narratives that I was speaking about right up front and all of the different ways that people try and cause division and they try and cause um, harm to others and you know, the, all a lot of the trolling behavior that we see online how do we really help to create better ways for people to move to understanding compassion kindness towards each other there's no easy answers to those things those questions yeah a lot of people have tried along the way <laughs> philosophers are constantly trying to uh, battle with that just in terms of human kindness uh, let alone in the context of social media yeah. commentators at the moment are yeah, they're all over the place trying to help people to understand what does it look like and how do we do these things there are many thoughts about how you do that you know our religious leaders talk about these things on a regular basis as well and you know it's it's something we we encounter as a topic quite regularly how do you help to make sure you're there for others you know, giving being charitable being kind helping others in need all of these things that we know are so important and they help towards creating a more em empathetic society to to live in and to be with others so i'm not trying to answer the question here folks um yeah you know, i'm just wanting to lay out how i think we're already challenged in a quite a heightened set of times when it is uh, it's, it's made harder by just just daily life lots of stuff in the news that we consume social media that we're actively part of and the 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 regular stuff that we know that can help with with empathy building it can it can suddenly you can start to see why it's a challenge for a lot of people and it's because they they've already got so much going on that the, the space that they need in order to do that is is significantly reduced so i'm just going to leave it there i'm going to leave it there as a provocation and as a set of thoughts as to um, why it can be a challenge uh, to create empathy and interested to know where it takes you yeah, get in touch with me let me know comment um, either on the podcast site itself or if not there then um, you know leave a get tweet me on twitter at sukpabiao send me a dm if you want to let me know i'm really interested to know where does this set of thinking take you and what does it help you to consider in your own thoughts around uh, how do we help and create empathy with others 
Until next time, folks, have a good weekend. Bye-bye.